You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Our new series is called Sparking Joy, with the tagline, Decluttering the Soul. And the decluttering trend has taken our Pinterest culture by storm. Uh, Young moms love this stuff. Uh, There are books and workshops and online communities dedicated to this. Uh, You can even take now university courses on how to tidy up. So uh, if you didn't finish your degree, you can go back and learn how to do that. Um, The motivation behind this trend is the belief that our lives have become so cluttered with things and activity As people, uh, we no longer know how to be happy. We've lost our joy. And the decluttering movement believes that we find true joy by simplifying and focusing on the things that really matter. And so if the whole world is focused on rediscovering joy, maybe we should see what Jesus says about this. And so uh, we began to look, say, you know what, in Philippians, it talks more about the concept of joy than any other collection of scripture. This is a four-chapter letter, a small little letter that Paul wrote to encourage the Philippian church who's undergoing persecution. And Paul mentions joy 15 times throughout this. And the, the teaching is really to help and encourage this group of Christians to discover that joy is found in faith, It's found in the things of God, it's found in his peace, his presence, his meaning, and it's not found in just our circumstances. And of course, this church going through persecution, struggling, facing hard, difficult times, Paul's message is joy, focus on joy. And um, I I wanna look at this one verse. It's it's actually maybe a little bit of an obscure verse. I've, I've never preached on it before, but this is kind of the foundation the foundational thought for our series, and it's this in Philippians 1.10. Paul says, I want you to understand what really matters so you may live pure and blameless lives until the return of Christ. Understand what really matters. This idea of decluttering our souls helps us to discover what really matters. Uh, I, I heard a story a number of years ago that I've always held on to, and um, maybe once every couple years I like to use it. It's a, such a great illustration. It says, one day a fisherman was lying on a beautiful beach, had his fishing pole propped up in the sand and a solitary line cast out into the sparkling blue surf, and he's sitting there enjoying the warmth of the sunshine and looking out at the ocean. And um, a businessman came walking down the beach trying to relieve some of his midday stress. And he noticed the fisherman sitting on the beach and decided to find out why this fisherman was just sitting there instead of working harder to to, to fish better, to make a better living for himself and his family. And he says, you're not gonna catch many fish that way, said the businessman. You should be working harder rather than lying on the beach. And the fisherman looked up and said, what would my reward be? He said, well, you can catch, you can get bigger nets and catch more fish. And then what will my reward be? And the businessman replied, you will make money and you'll be able to buy a boat and you'll be able to get even larger catches of fish. And then what will my reward be? 
And the businesses, he was beginning to get a little perturbed, a little irritated with the fishermen's questions. He says, well, you can buy a, a bigger boat and hire some people to work for you. And then what will my reward be? And he got angry by now. He said, don't you understand? You can build up a fleet of fishing boats. Hire a staff, sail all over the world. Let your employees catch all the fish for you. And once again, he said, and what will my reward be? And the businessman, red with rage, shouts at the fisherman, don't you understand? You can become so rich that you will never have to work at living again. You can spend all your days sitting on the beach, looking out at the sun. And of course, the fisherman smiled wryly and said, and what do you think I'm doing now? <laughs> and that is such a picture of our lives and our culture, isn't it? We work hard and we're, just, we're gonna get to this level and we're gonna do that, we're gonna accomplish this and then we're gonna, we're gonna buy that and we're gonna get to there and we're gonna have this holiday and, we're gonna, and, and we have all these and, and we keep working and working and working and working and what happens is we add new layers and new levels of complexity to our lives and it is the dog chasing its tail and around and around and around we go. And we're in a frenzied pace in our culture Philippians 1.10, Paul says, I want you to understand what really matters so you may live pure and blameless lives. And so, in a culture overflowing in clutter, Paul's letter to the Philippians is a reminder of what is true joy, where do we find joy, what, how do we build our lives and shape our lives to bring the joy of Jesus and the gospel into it. Well, the first thing that we can see from this passage of scripture in Philippians 1, as we look at it, is that people matter most. People matter most. This is a foundational thought of forming a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview that looks at life and forms our convictions and our choices and our decisions and our priorities based on a biblically informed viewpoint. And that is that people matter most. People are more important than things. I appreciate Sam's video and his heart that we saw earlier where he goes to Uganda. This is an ongoing relationship. This is not a one-off. This is something that he's been a part of before. He'll continue, and it'll be something that maybe we can continue to contribute and to give over the next coming years. And there will be lives changed and impacted. The kids that are in school are gonna graduate. The moms who are learning to sew and make soap are gonna have their businesses and they're gonna provide for their families. This business, this nonprofit charitable business is gonna grow and influence and, and bring kids in and teach them how to be designers and how to have influence. And, and this is going because of people sharing from their lives. We make a choice, we make a decision. I don't need the steak, I could have the burger. And then I got 10 more dollars that I can give and sow into the kingdom of God. We all make choices. Some of you sowed seeds into that project. Sam gave of his time. He didn't go on a holiday to Mexico. Nothing wrong with going on a holiday to Mexico. I've been there, it's great. But he made the choice. Instead of that, I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna be with these people. I'm gonna take the time. I'm gonna spend the money. I'm gonna get the ticket. I'm gonna go there. And what it is is it's elevating people higher. People matter most. 
part of the kingdom of God, part of how it works is that people matter most. And when we live in that way, it opens the door for the kingdom of God to work. Paul demonstrates this by writing this letter in chains in a Roman prison. I picture Paul as an older man by this time, worn down, hard life. I picture him wearing tattered prison clothes and he has longer unkempt hair with a rough white beard coming in over his weathered skin and he sits in prison and he's basically sitting there waiting for news of his execution. Paul, he doesn't spend his days in self-pity, in loathing, longing for the comforts that he can't have or that he gave up. Instead, he focuses all of his attention on those he loves, praying for them and encouraging them every way he can. Philippians 1.3 and down says this. Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment and in defending the coming, the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Paul says, there is a special place for you in my heart. This little Philippian church captures his heart. Paul's sitting in prison. His thoughts are not on his own troubles, but instead they're on these believers who are struggling in persecution. This little church that he helped plant holds space in his heart. This is something tremendously beautiful about the kingdom of God, is when people hold space in our heart and we're involved with their life. It's why churches can give and there can be missions and projects. That's why you can be genius in people's lives and in relationships that you have is because they hold space in your heart. And this church holds space in Paul's heart and he encourages them and he longs to be with them more than anything else in his life. He reminds us that people matter most. The second thing is that people give us purpose. Philippians 1.21, just a few verses down, Paul says this, he says, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Here's the joy again. Paul is at peace with his life. If this is the end of Paul's life, if indeed he's executed and he's martyred for Jesus, he knows this, that he will spend eternity with Jesus and he's lived a full and a hard life and he says, you know what? Actually, for me, if it's just about me, I'd rather just go and be with Jesus. I'm okay with that. 
But he says, if I live, it will be Christ who lives in me. If I have days left, I will live them for Jesus. I will give them to him. He will live through me. They will be his. He wants his life to count for something. He wants his life to matter in the kingdom of God. Do you ever feel like that? Like you want to make a difference for God? How does Paul accomplish this? How do any of us accomplish this? Well, Paul's approach to live in such a way that Jesus lives through him is to find purpose in helping others. He says, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. These people hold space in his heart and he finds meaning and purpose and significance in the kingdom of God in giving his life and sharing his life for them. He wants to live so he can help his friends grow in their faith and find the joy that they have in Jesus. And Paul has discovered that the purpose and meaning in his life is in other people. He doesn't want to live longer for his own accomplishments. He doesn't want to live longer and get out of prison so he can get an RV and see the Grand Canyon before he passes on. If that's any of you, no offense taken. He has other goals, other purposes for his life, and it's found in other people, not his own accomplishments. We live in a self-absorbed culture focused on more money, more things, more pleasure, more recognition, more self-importance, more me all the time. And it's my humble opinion that forming a biblical worldview for our lives means focusing less on ourselves and more on others. And if you're looking for more purpose, meaning, and significance in your life, might I suggest that you can find it when other people hold space in your heart. Because when other people hold space in your heart, you welcome and invite and make room for the kingdom of God to work through you. You live your days for Jesus. The third thing is, Strained relationships clutter our heart. Have you ever noticed how turmoil in your relationships can throw your whole life off balance? Like things can be good in so many categories, but none of it seems to matter if an important relationship is struggling. Living with a strained relationship is like hitting your thumb with a hammer. The rest of your body may be fine. You might be like me, like really jacked and trim and fit and like in the prime shape of your life. Everything's perfect. And if you hit your thumb, the only thing that you feel in your whole body, the only thing that you care about is how bad your thumb hurts. It doesn't matter how good everything else is. And when relationships go south, when when there's a breakdown, when there's strain, when there's trouble, when there's difficulty, it affects every area of our life. It's all we can think about. Um, we're coming up to Mother's Day next week, and I've been thinking about my mom, who I lost uh, a number of years ago, seven years ago now that she passed away, and uh, it's funny how birthdays, her birthday's in April, late April, and um, 
Mother's Day and Christmas and some of these things, you know how they just kind of can stir up feelings and thoughts and emotions. And, and I, I've been thinking about my mom the last little while. And as, as I was putting my talk together this past week, I, I remembered this story when I was uh, in high school, living at home with my mom and dad, of course, and they had moved uh, to Saskatoon, bought a new house. It was, uh, yeah, go riders. Um, the, uh, it, I think it was like the only, or maybe the first house or second like, new house that they had ever had. And they got it in a new area of Saskatoon. And uh, it was, it, it, there was like the parade of show homes, you know, where uh, they have all the, all the, in the subdivision, you come through and start at one end, you walk all the way through the homes and check them out. That was on the other side. We were in the backyard connected to that. And um, one spring day, uh, you should know, I never really gave my parents much trouble. I was usually a pretty good kid, actually. But uh, one spring day, my friends and I, we just did not feel like going to class. Uh, you probably remember that those days, my kids are coming tonight, I'll change the story so they don't hear all this, but it was, um, uh, it was one of those spectacular, sunny, warm days, the snow was gone, hit Saskatoon, it was beautiful, it was like, it was a kind of day where you know that going to 7-Eleven for a Slurpee and a cruise down 8th Street with the windows down was way better than going to science class, like way better idea. And so my friends and I got together and off we went. And um, around lunchtime, we started to get hungry. And uh, we ended up back at my place because uh, I knew both my parents were at work. My place was available. And uh, we could come back to my place. I knew there were like frozen burgers in the freezer. We could have a covert barbecue, light it up, have a great afternoon, enjoy the sun, skip school, eat my parents' food, clean up, and they'd not know anything. It was a beautiful plan. And um, as we got the party started and we were out on the patio enjoying the sun and doing up our burgers, uh, like four really cute girls came out onto the patio of the show home that was across the backyard from us. And uh, I was like, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, and uh, we're hanging out and turns out they're on a field trip. They're in their like home ec home design course or whatever, and part of their requirements are to go and do a field trip and look at all the new homes and get to know the design trends and modern decor and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, well, I, my house is pretty nice. Hey, why don't you come over and check out my place? And, uh, and uh, so they said, well, you know, um, can, can, there's a few more of us. Can, I bring, can, can we all come? Can I bring my friends? And I mean, my parents raised me to be polite and inclusive and friendly, and so I said, sure, come on over, all the more the merrier. And, and so uh, the doorbell rang a few minutes later, 24 grade 12 girls showed up at my house. Wow. <laughs> and they were all cute. And, um, and so they all came in, and I... I don't even know how it happened. I was living my own rap video. Like, I, there were girls everywhere, and we were hanging out. And, um, and I, I've always been into, like, uh, tech and electronics ever since I was e young. And I quickly went to the garage. I found two long extension cords, cut the ends off, and made longer speaker cables out of them. And I pulled my dad's speakers out onto the patio. And uh, it quickly turned into a dance floor, and it was awesome. And so... Here I was, partying it up with my friends on this Friday afternoon with all these girls, 
And um, I guess because of the, the noise and the activity and the ACDC cranking in the stereo, I did not hear the garage door go up. And uh, we have a couple rules in our house when we were growing up. One of them is you don't sit on the kitchen counter. Like, that's not for your butt. It's for preparing food. And, um, and so, turns out my mom actually had the same idea I did. It was a slow day at work. It was Friday. It was sunny. So she left work early and stopped by the store to pick up groceries to come home and cook her children, whom she loved dearly, a nice dinner and get ready and have a nice family barbecue. And, uh, and so here I was sitting on the counter talking to these girls and she walked in with grocery bags and looked at me. And I looked at her and that exchange happened and I knew that I was in so much trouble. And I quickly got off the counter and uh, the girls were like, who's this? And I said, oh, hey, this is my mom. And that was awkward. And, um, and so I, I didn't know if I should be more afraid of you know, the, 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 you know, the outcome or more embarrassed or whatever. But I didn't tell you, I went from being the star of my own rap video to my mom pulling me by the ear to go have a talk. And it was like, we didn't have a record player, but you heard, and then it just stopped, and, everything, and everybody got out of the house. And um, I, the, the, the worst part of the story is that uh, it wasn't that, you know, the party got shut down, and I was embarrassed in front of all these girls, and I didn't even get their phone numbers. Most of them just fled quickly, and uh, I, I never saw most of them ever again, and I don't know, and, but I got married to Ange, and so it all worked out, and uh, that's good. <laughs> Somehow this is going to, I shouldn't be talking about this stuff, but um, the, the, the worst part is I lost my parents' trust. The worst part is it took months to earn it back. And when you lose trust with somebody, when a relationship breaks down, it's hard. It's hard to rebuild it. It's hard to get it back. And even if you have a good reason and a good excuse, and it, it's still when there's hurt and there's things. And, and, you know, it made my life difficult for months. Like, try going to your mom and saying, can I borrow some money for the movie? Can I borrow the car? Can I, can I go camping with my friends this weekend? a couple days after that happened. You just get nowhere. And it took a long time for me to earn and gain my parents' trust again. And every time you wanted something, they think, well, are you gonna do this? Are you gonna do that? And, and, and it broke our relationship. And when that relationship was broken, it made life difficult. And I was thinking about it this week because when there are things in our lives and relationships in our lives that get broken and they get strained and they get distant. We carry the weight of that in every area of our life. A strained relationship clutters up our heart and our mind. It's like when we wake up in the morning, it's the first thing we think about. When we go to bed at night, it's, when we close our eyes, it's what we think about. When we're sitting at a red light, it's what we think about. It is clutter, it's right there, this, this dysfunction and the broken and the distant and the strained relationship, it, we carry it into every area of our life. It's always there, it's always see, it slows us down and we have to navigate around it. 
I'm going to get the team to come, and uh, they're going to get ready. We're going we're gonna to just get ready to play a closing song. But I was thinking about Paul. He reminds us that people matter most. And one of the primary sources of clutter in our life is strained and broken relationships. Matthew 5 tells us that before we approach the throne of Jesus, we should go and fix broken relationships, finish the unfinished business that we have with others. 1 Peter 3 tells us that broken relationships can hinder our prayers. And the teachings of scripture are clear that broken and strained relationships clutter our heart, they clutter our mind, they clutter our soul. They get in the way even in our relationship with Jesus. And I know that some of you are in a broken relationship with a friend. There are strained relationships in your life, maybe with your spouse, with a child. There's a distance, there's some resentment, some anger, some separation. Maybe it's with some in-laws and extended family members and isn't it so true that those who matter most, those who are closest to us, are often the ones and the relationships that we get hurt the most in. It affects us the most. Those are the hardest ones, and they're complicated. Sometimes it's all you, sometimes it's all them, usually it's a combination of the two, and it got started, and then it got messy, and then it gets complicated. There's no easy answers. I would say Romans 12, 8, such a beautiful little verse. It says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Talking about the ministry and the spirit of reconciliation that Jesus carries. We are not always able to fix and repair everything. But as much as it depends on us to live at peace with one another. Part of decluttering our souls so we can walk freely and walk fulfilled and have the joy of Jesus is dealing with the unfinished business, is letting Jesus heal and be present in strained relationships. Because when they show up, they clutter us up. It's all we think about. And so this morning, I want to spend just a moment in prayer together. We're at the end. You have listened so well and been so attentive, and I appreciate that. Um, I just invite you in this moment, could we stand together? We're going to sing together, but just want to pray. I just invite you, if you're able to, you don't have to feel pressured, but if you're able to stand, just stand in this moment. And I thought this this morning, as much as it depends on us to live at peace and to say to Jesus, I surrender this person, this relationship, this struggle, this division, this hurt, this unforgiveness, the distance, the strain. This person I surrender and I give over to you. Jesus, for you to work 
even in ways that I can't, in ways I can't fix, in ways I can't do, but I, I give it to you. And so as we pray this morning, I'm going to ask that if there's someone, if there's a relationship in your life that you know has been strained and has been distant, has been struggling, maybe even broken, maybe it's complicated, it's broken right off right now. Well, you would say to Jesus, Jesus, could you be present? Could you heal? Could you reconcile? Could you do something? Could you, just as much as I can do, I give to you. And so I'm gonna ask you to hold your hand up as a way of just kind of lifting that up and just identifying and saying, yep, that's me, that's that person. And that hand represents that relationship, that person, and say, Jesus, here it is. So why don't you just kind of do that as we pray in this moment. You can hold your hand up, say that's a person, that relationship. Jesus, I give to you. Some here are parents who have a struggle with their kids. And Jesus, we pray that you would show up in that relationship, that you would restore, that you would reconcile, you would heal. There would be grace, there would be favor, there would be understanding, there would be patience, wisdom. Jesus, help us to know in these relationships what we can do, what amends we can make, what steps we can take, and help us to know when there's something we can't push and we need to just surrender into your hands. We give them to you. We give this relationship to you. And we ask that Jesus, through all of the complexities of all the layers and the hurt and the past words, and that coldness and separation. Jesus, would you melt hearts? Would you melt hearts? Would you mend relationships? Would you restore things? Where Jesus' walls have gone up, we pray that people would open their life and they would share space in their heart for one another. We pray that you would complete that work in your time, in your way, that only you can. We give that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Audio from the House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.